time for us to do something. Well, good evening and welcome to Pello Talk. This is a new format for 2021 where we won't be doing the It's Not Q&A version of the show. We're actually going to split this into two different shows. I'm just going to have a little bit of a chat tonight and uh, we'll develop a, a bit of a rhythm and a, and a new format. You can help me with your feedback. Let me know what you think. And of course, the more interaction, the better. Uh, but look forward to Thursday night because at 7 p.m. Queensland time, 8 p.m. New South Wales and Victoria, we'll be having a full live panel as, uh, as we did last year. This year we're going to go for up to two hours. It's going to be very conversational and it's going to feature a lot of regulars. Uh, we'll be having um, all the good source contributors regularly on. They may come and go throughout the show. Uh, we may not go for two hours. Uh, we're not going to flog a dead horse if conversation's a little dry. But this Thursday night, it will be less than 24 hours since the scheduled date of and time of the inauguration of the next American president. Uh, and there's a lot of people out there who are still expecting Donald Trump to be inaugurated. I, I actually don't know how you think that's possible. Uh, I hope there's not too many people. Um, but at the same time, I'm uh, going to be welcoming of the miracle if it does happen. It will take a miracle. But for now, uh, this is Pello Talk, and you know maybe I'll have some guests on every now and then in the future. But I just want to go through some of my opinions on on things that have been going through my heart and uh, my mind uh, in the last week. Also, whatever's in the news. I want to answer questions, discuss topics, uh, get into some fights and arguments. Always civil and always sincere with, with you, of course. Um, big welcome to Matt Maloney. Thank you for uh, tuning in and watching on, on Facebook. And uh, to everyone, if you can just share this and, and join, invite others to join with you now, uh, that would be uh, fantastic. I've actually got uh, some notes in my calendar that I'm going to, um, to uh, I guess, read and, and go with through with you together uh, tonight. So. Let me start by reading this one, uh, which is uh, The Beguiling Myth of a Sensible Center. There's actually a party out there called The Sensible Center, uh, and it is my assertion that there is no such thing as The Sensible Center. If there is a center position, it's certainly not sensible. Um, but let me read this uh, opinion article to you and uh, leave your comments um, as we go and I'll try and incorporate them and, and talk about them. Maybe you agree with me. I always like people saying that. Maybe you disagree with me. And if you do, don't be like the Sensible Center folks and tell me to go read a book. Actually try and articulate your own argument and be part of a constructive civil debate. Uh, I assure you I've done a fair bit of reading uh, and a fair bit of research and a lot of thinking on, on this issue. So uh, this article is on the Good Source website, that is goodsource.news. Uh, one of the most commonly lamented observations of modern politics is how polarized it and subsequently society in general has become. Progressive pundits and corporate media refuse to label traditional thinking as anything less than far right, often preferring even more pejorative language. Only those claiming to be right of centre while embracing ideas traditionally of the left, like Malcolm Turnbull, can be graciously described as moderate. 
Meanwhile, little nuance is entertained when describing those to the right of moderates. Never mind that the founding fathers of Australia, America and our common British legacy in justice and democracy shared at least an affection for, if not outright devotion to, Christian principles. It's now alleged that to advocate the timeless definition of marriage or the sanctity of human life at every stage makes one far right. Well, further, to agitate for the removal of fetters to fundamental freedoms of speech and religion, the central pillars of a liberal, inclusive democracy, is to manifest hatred, intolerance and bigotry, according to progressives. Woe betide any who should believe in national sovereignty, strong borders or sensible immigration limits. You might as well admit you're a fascist in the ranks of those who celebrate Australia Day, salute the Australian national flag and honour the monarchy. But what of those left of centre in the eyes of their right-wing counterparts? Conservative pundits like me and alternate media refuse to label progressive thinking as anything less than progressive. Progressive. Sometimes preferring more pejorative language like leftist. Those embracing ideas traditionally of the left but rejecting their more novel ideas, morality of gender theory and the immorality of mining, people like Mark Latham, are warmly described by right-wing voters and are warmly welcomed by right-wing voters and commentators alike. Another classical liberal, Dave Rubin, articulates his amazement that the left left me in the hurtling rapidity with which the policies defining leftism have left him spinning where he always was, while progressivism is now much further away from where they once had much in common. But that's their nature, isn't it? They believe all change is positive progress, never harmful, degenerative or regressive. Conservatism, on the other hand, believes history is instructive and ancient boundaries should at least be understood before they are moved, let alone demolished. We appreciate that our forebears were fallible, but not fools. We have no interest in changing everything for the sake of it. We are not hurtling with great rapidity from positions conservatives like us held centuries ago. If politics is problematically polarised, it is because the destruction of everything tried and true has been conflated with progress. It's because leftists are determined to destroy not only the institutions and sensibilities which created the most favourable conditions for human flourishing in world history, but everyone who stands in their way as well. Progressives are not satisfied with winning elections anymore. They must completely destroy those who are unapologetically daring to call their corruption out, as is playing out this week and last week in America. They certainly weren't satisfied with the election they duly lost in 2016 either. For four years, they tried desperately to overturn their loss with every trick in the book. The greatest injury they sustained was the loss of control of the Supreme Court of the United States, previously crowded with progressives, justices who believed the Constitution was flexible, 
and that their job was to reflect political preferred outcomes. They cried foul when President Trump appointed justices who believed their job was to simply interpret the Constitution faithfully to its original intent, and preferred outcomes were irrelevant to their legal decisions. Last year saw progressives sustain riots for seven months, shoot at least 23 people dead, injure more than 700 law enforcement officers, damage over 150 federal buildings, and destroy hundreds of small businesses in the name of progress. But it was Trump who incited violence. Corporate media and other progressive elites, including all those suddenly decrying political violence, celebrated and promoted the behaviour, rationalising and justifying it, even calling it mostly peaceful. They claimed the constitution, democracy and the justice system were inadequate to achieve the social progress they desired, and therefore political violence was at least understandable, if not justified. Necessary. Lies. It would be so much more comfortable if there was a sensible centre. Imagine if there was a third option, somewhere between the lunacy of gender theory and biological reality. There isn't. It would be just dreamy if there was a way to end coal and other mineral mining without making electricity unaffordable to those individuals and industries which can least afford the most expensive electricity in the world. And even better if such a human cost would have a significant slowing effect on historically inevitable changes to global climate patterns. Wake up. Is there a middle ground somewhere between the Christian belief that all human life is sacred and the progressive dogma that a human life in utero is merely a disposable piece of property which can make it sometimes okay to kill? No. But what about law and justice? Surely there's a third philosophy, a sensible centre, which appeases the progressive demand for an activist judiciary, democracy if convenient, and a fluid constitution. Surely there's a compromise with the conservative ideal that elected legislators make laws, not appointed judges. That political violence and other lawless mayhem is never justified in a liberal, inclusive democracy, that justice should be impartial to identity, and that the Constitution can only be changed through the method prescribed by the Constitution. Such a fantasy. There, there is no sensible centre. Such a comfortable dream of a middle ground is beguiling, because most of us hate conflict. We just want to get on with our lives without all the angst. Yet we can't escape it because truth, justice, liberty, and yes, even peace are worth fighting for. There is no middle ground between right and wrong. There's no center point between truth and lies. There's no sensible balance between wisdom and folly. There is only half right, half true, and half wise, half progressive, who wants to be that? I am unapologetic about my position on things that are most responsible for the polarization of politics. I will not appease 
the insatiable appetite of progressives for destruction of boundaries and institutions. Of course there are sensible debates to be had about less fundamental things as there always has been, but they are not what really polarises us. The beguiling sensible centre is perhaps more dangerous than the radical left because, while appearing less contentious, they are simply a slightly slower path to destruction, seductive because of their mixing of lies with some truth, folly with some wisdom, and immorality with some morality. Such is the strategy by which society already has been incrementally ratcheted towards the current brazen extremes of progressives. And such is the path to political polarization from those who prefer, like me, not to mix poison with our supper. Well, what do you think? Svartanik, Trump says, Trump will be inaugurated uh, January 20, 2025. Fair call. Well, we can, we can hope for that. Uh, and Matt says, a liker and a sharer, just, just saying. Leave your comments, uh, join in the conversation. Uh, we've got a couple of dozen people watching live, hopefully a fair few more people watching in delay. This is the first show for the year without announcement or advertisement, so I won't be discouraged by the low share numbers. Please uh, just share it now, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, let people know that they can watch this uh, wherever you're watching it. And we're live streaming simultaneously to Facebook and YouTube, um, so that's all fun. I tell you what, I have to share this with you. This is going to just make your hat spin. Uh, it's absolutely crazy. Uh, somebody I did an interview with uh, previously is Leah Torres. Uh, she is a obstetrician gynecologist. Uh, abortion is not her primary bread and butter, but in the course of uh, caring for, as she says, people who are pregnant, um, she does perform abortions. Uh, but she is a very vocal apologist for the right to have an abortion. And I did an interview with her a couple of years ago and it was very civil and very cordial. Um, and we had a, a great discussion, just trying to understand and, and maybe change the other person's position. Uh, that is available if you have a look for it uh, on The Good Source. You'll be able to do a search on YouTube or The Good Source and find that interview. It's about an hour long and um, you know she's an expert debater on the topic. I certainly had never debated anybody formally or, or even interviewed them in a uh, disagreement like that before. Um, and it was very instructive. Uh, she said, among other things, that she doesn't believe there is a definition of life, which makes it a problem to preserve, defend, um, or promote life. Um, and if you think like me that life is a fundamental human right, uh, it's pretty important to know what life is. But fortunately, 96% of biologists agree that each human life begins at conception, the moment of fertilization. Uh, anyway, Lila Rose uh, tweeted on the 8th of January, uh, that abortion is violence. And, uh, and then our good friend, Dr. Leah Torres, said that statement, that abortion is violence, is violent rhetoric. It is objectively false <laughs> and meant to incite others to commit crimes against clinics, patients, and healthcare providers. This is what domestic terrorism looks like. This 
is why politics is polarized. There is not an ounce of truth in that radical, extreme, deceitful propaganda. There is not a millimeter of compromise or movement that a rational, right-thinking person could take towards what Dr. Leah Torres has said there. Let's pull it apart. It is breathtaking in its stupidity. And I don't think Leah is stupid, but that was a very stupid thing to say. Violent rhetoric. No, it's not violent rhetoric. It's describing violence. The only reason you think it's violent rhetoric is because you disagree. You don't like it. You don't like being identified as somebody who is wrong. And disagreement is not the worst thing in the world to happen to you. If I'm wrong, I want to be persuaded with facts, evidence, data, logic. But <laughs> scripture, if you're half good at wielding it and dividing it rightly. But none of that is, is available to somebody who describes criticism as violence. There's absolutely no self-reflection, no curiosity intellectually. They are incurious, intellectually dishonest people who describe disagreement as, as violent rhetoric. Objectively false. No, it's objectively true. Abortion is violence. Why is it objectively true? Because the Intention, the purpose, the desired outcome, 100% of the time, is to end the life of a living, innocent human being. That is the desired outcome. That is commonly called murder, and murder is always called violence. The method by which it, done, it is done is brutal and violent. Poisoning, dismemberment, crushing, and violent forced vacuum from the safety of the mother's womb, which should be the safest place on earth. The reality detachment is breathtaking in its dimensions. It is not meant to incite others to commit crimes against clinics. It's meant to stop the crimes being committed in clinics. Crimes against humanity, crimes against God, crimes against the unborn. It is meant to stop crimes, not incite crimes. There's no intention in Lila Hart's Rose at all. Not an ounce, not a millimetre, not a speck of, of incitement for violence against clinics, patients or healthcare providers. And to call yourself a healthcare provider, despite the other work you do, abortion is not healthcare. Lie upon lie upon lie upon a pit of hell deceit emanating from this kind of rubbish right here. That is not what domestic terrorism looks like. What domestic terrorism looks like is the violent assault on 700 law enforcement officers. What domestic terrorism looks like is the destruction of over 150 federal buildings. What domestic terrorism looks like is the looting and, and raising to the ground with fire of many hundreds of small businesses. The fruit of the Black Lives Matter tree for over seven months in America. That's what domestic terrorism looks like. And that's if we're not even talking about the systemically racist genocide of the abortion industry in America. This is vile, gross, barbaric. This is absolute rubbish, uh, th this tweet here. Well, let's see what some of the comments has. Um, Daniel Shepard, no halfway between truth and lies, folly and wisdom, morality and immorality, love it. 
atheist pastor says happy new year hello to you too so i wish i could remember your name but atheist pastor is cool i'd love to have you on the show one day uh, there's so much that we agree on and, and a couple of things that we'd have some interesting conversations about uh, tracy says hi dave universities are problematic in that they twist facts ignore history and push a narrative that breeds socialist communists slash communists 100% true. The mainstream media, the academy, uh, these things uh, rather obsessed with preferred political outcomes rather than intellectual honesty. Um, Lee and Wendy Thompson says, is it true that Biden is to reverse Trump's legislation that has taken abortion off the list as a choice for pregnancy? Uh, look, it is undeniably true, well advertised, that Biden intends on undoing just about everything that Trump did. Uh, what he can't undo is the lifetime appointments on the Supreme Court. Excuse me. I hope that he doesn't uh, stack the court and legislate, which he legally can, um, but it would be playing quite dirty um, to, to you know, make the Supreme Court 15 judges instead of nine. Uh, and trust me, nothing is beneath the lying leftist Democrat media uh, complex. Uh, Matt says, I agree with more than I don't, but a couple of quick points. The right wing, left wing paradigm is a way of getting people to think only in terms of the collective. I don't know that it's designed, but uh, yes. Um, that is, we talk about groups, um, racial groups like indigenous slash white slash Asian right identity groups. It's not that this is meaningless, but it is not the best way of approaching any problem. Of course, of course, you shouldn't approach a problem saying I'm right wing, therefore this is what I believe. Uh, I'm left wing, therefore this is, I'm Christian, therefore this is what I believe. Even Christian, a follower of Jesus is very important, of course, but we should still be looking for facts, evidence, data and logic because Christians have been wrong before. Many Christians are wrong. Many Christians disagree with me. One of us is wrong. And so uh, Christianity isn't a qualification to immunity from error. Um, it's not that this is meaningless, but it's not the best way to approach any problem. Of course, the sovereign individual is, and that is broadly the Judeo-Christian way. I don't consider myself right-wing and I don't know how wise it is to accept the... Uh, we might have run out of room to show the rest of, of that comment. Might have to break it up. Um, look, I... Really good points, Matt. Um, with the polarization of politics, uh, what we have to be, and, and notice I didn't advocate left versus right, there's no middle ground. In, in my, in my uh, juxtaposition of the options one might consider themselves in the middle of or, or trying to find a sensible center, on every issue, we should look for the right position on it. We should look for God's position on it. Um, and and let me articulate this, this carefully. In Joshua chapter 5, he's outside Jericho. And this is bread and butter teaching for me. Uh, this is a philosophy that I, that I teach. And I think it's unimpeachable. I haven't heard anybody present an argument for it. It's really easy to agree with, not only because it's so obviously right. Uh, here's the deal. Abraham Lincoln, we'll make a more recent historical example than Joshua and outside the city of Jericho in, in ancient Israel. But um, Abraham Lincoln was asked by a reporter while campaigning on one election, uh, Mr. Lincoln, sir, uh, do you believe God is on your side? And, and that was not a silly question because Abraham Lincoln was at this time campaigning 
a civil war and, and trying to legislate the abolition of slavery. It was a, it was a fair question. Uh, but what Abraham Lincoln said was, I am not concerned whether God is on my side. What I am concerned about is whether I am on God's side. Now, let's go back to Scripture because I, I like to match that up. And truth will always marry up with, with Scripture. Uh, and what the Bible says is that Joshua had taken over from Moses, bringing the uh, million or so slaves out of Egypt um, and leading them to the promised land. They'd walked through the desert for 40 years, going around in circles, and, and they'd come to the first conquest in the promised land uh, that God had promised them. And Joshua was outside this city, the city of Jericho, and he was outside the camp of Israel. So he was kind of by himself, didn't have his, his backup. And remember, Sol, uh, Joshua was a soldier. He was now general of the Israel army, the Israeli army, commander-in-chief. Uh, he's, a, he's a military man. Um, and then he finds, it comes across another man with a sword drawn. And the first thing a good soldier does when he comes across somebody who's armed is he says friend or foe. He tries to identify what's the passcode, what's the password, uh, who are you for? And Joshua says to the man with the sword drawn, uh, are you for us or are you for our enemies? And the man says, no, I am the commander of the Lord's host. And Joshua realizes that this is a, a, um, an appearance of God in the flesh, that this is God that he's talking to at the very least. Um, he falls down and worships him. And he says, basically, what do you want? I'm on your side. And that's exactly the way we should look at not the left versus right kind of paradigm and, 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 and choices. It's, it's not even the center position or the left or right that we should be taking. We should be looking for truth. We should be looking for justice. We should be looking for wisdom in every single issue. And sometimes our preferred party is not going to be on the right side. They're not going to be on God's side. My advocacy, my uh, exhortation to you is look for the truth. That If you're not a Christian, that's okay. You don't have to use the Bible for this. But honestly ask yourself and look for what's true, what's wise, what's the right thing to do here. Because a little bit wrong, a little bit lie, a little bit unjust, a little bit oppression is too much. What's God's side on this? He, of course, is the author of truth and the author of, of morality. And so aligning up with him is the very, very best way to do that. And so there is no room for a center position to try and appease and compromise. Wrong approach. Let it be polarized. Truth is by nature divisive. Anything that's a little bit wrong is excluded from the definition of truth. By definition, it is exclusive, rejecting of everything uh, that is wrong. I should put this screen on, on full screen so we're not looking at uh, Leah's tweet anymore. Apologies for that. Um, actually, you're in Brisbane, aren't you, Chris? Atheist pastor, thanks for your name. Um, so, uh, yeah, Thank, thanks for that, Matt. It's, it's a really good conversation to, to have uh, about this is how do we end polarization? Not possible. When you have people like an abortionist calling the description of abortion as violence and incitement to attack abortionists, that's just ridiculous. Uh, please do not attack abortionists. Pray for them. 
they, there is so many people who are ex-abortionists, former abortionists, pouring hate and bile on them probably just perpetuates the you versus them uh, dichotomy in their mind and makes them double down. It's not about calling them evil people, but we must make absolutely no mistake about what's true. Of course, calling abortion violence isn't violent rhetoric in itself. That's just preposterous, um, verging on, on idiotic. Hey, Jordan, uh, Rusty, um, oh, atheist pastor, Chris, you're in Wollongong. Okay, hard for you to pop into the Brisbane studio. Uh, John and uh, Chris. Okay. Um, Chris Coveries, I haven't read this yet, so read it out loud and hope it's not embarrassing. The social right didn't show up on the streets for months, and when they did, they didn't have anyone to organise them or keep it media-friendly and failed. Yeah, absolutely. Look, one of the big problems we have on the right of centre is uh, thinking that the left tactics are all good and useful. Uh, certainly, one of their tactics, the infiltration of institutions, has been very successful and is legal. Go ahead and do that. Uh, get a great job in a university and become an influence for what's objectively true and right. Uh, get a job in, in politics. Uh, I've got a great friend who is a policy advisor working in the public service, um, working for a department, very senior position. Um, very lonely as somebody who's committed to truth, justice, and uh, you know, not a partisan leftist. Um, that's very lonely, but he's still there, and he has a preserving effect on it, like salt, which hasn't lost its favour. Um, so, yes, we have discussions on, on Twitter, John, um, and uh, some good ones too. Thank you. I, I love uh, the engagement. Well, I don't want to keep going for an hour. I could talk the leg off an iron pot with a mouthful of marbles under wet cement, um, but let's have a look at some some other articles. Uh, so here's one. Um, I will pull that up now. We'll get rid of uh, Leah's tweet on the screen and pull this up. Okay, New Jersey gym co-owner says state seized legal defense funds amid battle over COVID fines. We had no money in our bank account Ian Smith tells Tucker Carlson tonight. Um, so that's no good, but obviously the story here is the co-owner of a South Jersey gym who has butted heads with state officials over his open defiance of coronavirus lockdown orders, good on him, told Tucker Carlson tonight, Thursday, that the state emptied out every single dollar that we have amid a legal fight over the legitimacy of millions of dollars in related fines. As of yesterday morning, uh, his partner had checked the bank statement and they had no money in their bank account. Um, so hopefully there's no other uh, explanation for it and, and the story checks out. But uh, this is really, really uh, the dangerous kind of stuff where you have absolutely uh, no power to even mount a, a legal defense for yourself. Um, Okay, here's, a, here's an interesting one. If you've got, uh, like, let's, through, the, uh, through the week now, um, I'd love you to just send me articles that you'd like to talk about, uh, questions that we've got. 
that would be that would be fun to be able to have a chat about. Three and four Australians uh, want Scott Morrison to criticise Craig Kelly for posting COVID misinformation. And by misinformation, of course, let's let's get the the leftist language correct here. What they mean by misinformation is information that they don't like, that they don't agree with, uh, and that they're not prepared to engage with and refute uh, intellectually. Polling has shown, polling undertaken by a leftist institute, mind you, polling has shown a majority of Australians want Scott Morrison to rebuke one of his MPs for posting misleading health information during the pandemic, exactly like uh, the corporate media oligarchs. Uh, They want people to be labelled and character assassinated. Uh, Three and four Australians... Uh, Progressive Think Tank Australia Institute surveyed 1,003 Australians about their concern during the sharing of misleading information during the coronavirus pandemic. And of course, the uh, audience for the Australia Institute are progressives. Uh, And Acting Prime Minister Michael McCormick said no, and so they tried to cancel him as well. Uh, And yeah, all, all kinds of of uh, nonsense going on there as usual. Now, here's uh, a good one. Who's been following the Australian Open um, quarantine uh, headlines? So the Australian Open tennis players, uh, I just need to log in here. The Australian Open tennis players um, are not being allowed to quarantine the way they want. Heaps of them being brought into uh, Australia with coronavirus. They know they've got coronavirus and they're still bringing them in. It's uh, absolutely insane. I don't know why uh, we're pretending this is a real virus with real um, high risk of infection uh, when we're bringing people into the country knowingly with it. I mean, that's just ridiculous. If this is a pandemic, that justifies the vandalization of an entire society, uh, then why would you bring it knowingly into the country? Surely that person is a leper and should be excluded. Sorry, tennis is not more important than the Australian economy. Oh, it's just crazy. Well, it just just speaks to the, the silliness of it. What's interesting here is this headline, Coronavirus Australia Live News, Victoria Police chase thousands of virus fines. But of course, um, they're actually uh, talking about letting that go. I don't have that. Um, this link obviously isn't what I thought it was. Um, but Daniel Andrews, has anybody got a link to that? Yeah, the Australian Open, Rusty says. That's a terrible YouTube name, Rusty. <laughs> Who can believe anything the pollsters say? Well, uh, you certainly can't believe it, Tracy. Uh, what you have to do is weigh it and do that with what I'm saying. Don't take anything at face value. Uh, For a start, you'd see a poll. Who conducted the poll? How did they conduct the poll? Uh, Was it on Twitter? Uh, Was it a a narrow audience? Um, So, yeah, look, uh, I just want to do one more because I I don't want to go on forever. I want to keep it shortish. I'd I'd rather cut off short and leave you wanting more than get um, prone to rambling. And uh, here's one that's always good for good content and that is the Babylon Bee. Let's all remain peaceful, says Trump in clear incitement to violence, about the same attachment to reality 
as uh, my abortion um, apologist friend. Uh, the impeachment of, of Trump. Uh, I mean, Lyle Shelton in his show coming out uh, hopefully tomorrow night talks about, talks about a, um, a, a Facebook fact check on him where he had shared some, some quotes from different Democrat leaders essentially encouraging, justifying, rationalizing, uh, and applauding the violence of the Black Lives Matter incorporated um, political agenda and those protests. And, and Facebook tried to put an information for all of Lyle's audience saying um, that, hey, you have to understand that these people have been taken out of context and they weren't actually trying to incite violence. Hello, did you read all of Trump's speech? He said, march, let's go to the Capitol. Not once did he say attack anybody. Not once did he say let's be violent. Not once did he say let's make it physical or anything approaching the actual definition of incitement to violence. What he did say explicitly was be peaceful, be calm, be better than everybody else. And he followed it up with a reiteration of that. The impeachment, by the way, impeachment just means accusation. It's basically like being charged for something before you have to go to court. The Senate hearing is where evidence is considered. There's no evidence needed for an impeachment. It's purely political. It's purely partisan. And those 10 Republicans who impeached Trump are either stupid or facile or the good old fashioned rhinos, Republicans in name only. Uh, while cozying up to a progressive agenda. And of course, we know the Republican Party, despite Trump being the president for the last four years, is not any more immune to progressives in its ranks than it was when Malcolm Turnbull ruled the Liberal Party here in Australia. Um, yeah, Rusty says you can, can't have more than 20 people at home, but they can have 20,000 at the cricket. Look at my flag waving in the air conditioning there. All right, let's read this uh, thing and then I will let you go. Washington, D.C. And, of course, this is satire, people. Please, if you haven't heard of the Babylon Bee, nothing they say is real. It's uh, making fun of how crazy and comical and insane uh, the reality is. But it's not reality. A review of Trump's statements last week made it clear that he was inciting violence, as he very clearly told people to remain peaceful and not carry out any violence. I'll put this on the screen so you can uh, see it too. The dangerous cult leader encouraged his followers to protest at the Capitol, but to remain peaceful, which is an obvious instance of inciting violence, according to leading language experts and journalists. Let's all remain peaceful, he said, which clearly meant go burn down the Capitol building. <laughs> No violence, added the deranged lunatic, which, according to the New York Times, was a dog whistle for minions, attack. Go home, he added, which meant keep pressing the attack. We will not be defeated. Blow stuff up. At publishing time, Trump had said, I've always encouraged peaceful protesting, which meant he wanted his followers to go ransack an Arby's, and I assume that's a retail store. And that's the end of the article. And of course, this is hilarious because this is exactly how detached from reality the leftist media are. And let's not even call them media anymore. Uh, I hope let's let's catch this on. Uh, help me spread this around. They're not the media. They're the lying harlot. 
They're the lying harlot. They have nothing but deceit. It's not an accidental mistake. It's not a bias. It's not a prejudice. It's, it's, not a, it's not even fake news where it's half true. They have an agenda maliciously to campaign for leftist agendas to discredit and obscure right thinking and clear debate. They are maliciously deceitful. They are liars. They do it professionally. And this is the harlot part. They have sold their integrity. They have sold their virtue. They have sold the faithfulness they should be showing to us, the readers and consumers of media. And they have prostituted their ethics, their morals and their integrity. They are lying harlots en masse. Forgive me, those journalists who still have some ethics and integrity and are actually balanced and fair. I've got a long opinion piece on, on this and it is, not, um, it is not hyperbole. It is so accurate, it's heartbreaking. I hope nobody calls me a journalist because the, the label has been so sullied by, by the harlotry of the corporate media, especially those obvious rags left of centre. Uh, but those people that pretend that their opinions are news and their selective cherry-picking to support a narrative is, is anything like news is, is just deceitful beyond, uh, beyond forgiveness. Well, we've been going for 40 minutes. I appreciate your company tonight. Uh, I would really like your involvement to help make this Tuesday night uh, affair, a, a more interactive one. Appreciate your comments and the live feedback. Send me the articles that I might not have seen. Uh, you can send them to dave at goodsource.news. That's good, S-A-U-C-E dot news. Dave at goodsource.news. That's my email address. Send me your thoughts. I might not be able to reply to every email, but I definitely read every email. And I'd love to see the articles that you think we should talk about this time next Tuesday night on Pello Talk. Uh, thanks very much for your company and we will see you then. to do something no, 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 no.